Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 35. We're joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? I'm doing great, John. I want to make sure our listeners know we are VMware solution engineers looking to bring the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. Hopefully, our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines or remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. All right, Nick, you uh, you made a choice there. I think that was great. Uh, always good to make choices. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know that after last week's uh, first part of the Jimmy Tassin interview, uh, you assigned us some homework to read the spotlight articles that he wrote about why Minecraft is on his resume and, and how it helped him in his IT career. I, I've got to say that even after reading those articles, uh, which, again, we'll put in the show notes, uh, I was still surprised in how the second part of this interview went. I'm totally with you there. I mean, we've had some great interviews already, but I think this one has to be one of my favorites so far. You just never know what's going to happen once we hit record. <laughs> yes, very, very true. Okay, let's get back straight into the interview. Since you mentioned writing an article, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you about mm -hmm. a couple of other articles you wrote about some things that really weren't about what you were doing at your day job, right? Sure. The Because you wrote yeah. one about being a part of the Minecraft community. How did that, how did you get into that? And where does that come into the story that we've been listening to? Sure. So I first got introduced to Minecraft at my first job at Bethesda. Um, one of the MSPs, he would actually be a regular there handling a lot of the tickets. And he was really into gaming and as I was. But I hadn't really gotten into PC gaming too much at that time. And he was mentioning Minecraft. And at that time, I was seeing articles pop up because it was in the beta point at that time. And I, my first thought when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is like digital Legos. That looks This looks pretty fun, but I'm not quite sure yet. But uh, my friend there at my first job, he kept talking about it because he was really big into it. So he finally convinced me to get into it. So I got an account. And so I started playing some single player. And, this, and after a while, I think like everybody does, it's like, all right, I want to get on multiplayer, see what it is with other people, talk, maybe make some friends. And that process to actually find a server took me quite a while. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Minecraft, a lot of the servers are more faction-based and raiding. Um, so it's not exactly a safe place. You get on there, you try to build a base, and somebody just stumbles up and destroys it, steals all your goodies and runs off and probably kills you a few times. So that was, that was kind of off-putting for someone new, trying to find something that... Find a server that's a little bit more friendly, um, has a little bit more permanence where I'm just not going to get spawn camped to death and rage quit the server. So I eventually found one, and then at that time, that's when I switched to uh, the credit union. I found this one server. I was there for uh, a couple months before the staff there realized that I was an actual adult and I could behave myself and they didn't have to discipline me like every hour. Um, Cause I was reporting different things that would come up from other players and say, all right, we're going to give you staff now. I was like, okay, I can do that. 
And within that year, it's like I became just a regular st- to a, I think it was a moderator to an admin and then eventually became co-owner because it's like I was there for quite a while. They knew me. I was, res- again, I was responsible. I helped with set, uh, set some things up on the server. And around this time, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, around that time is when the owner of that server decided to close it. For whatever reason, just out of the blue, closed it. So the other uh, co-owners and I decided, it's like, well, because we're actually getting ready for a big Minecraft update. Because um, with some updates, it changes how the world generates. So a lot of servers start fresh because new stuff is introduced to the world. You can't really introduce it if the world's already existing. Um, mm-hmm. Because Minecraft, as the world is explored, it, re- it generates everything as you explore it. Um, so if all that world's explored, you can't generate anything new. So you're working on getting a new server, everything ready for the big update. So, uh, the owner closed it. So he's like, all right, well, we'll just relaunch it with a new name because you know all these people that we knew didn't have anywhere to go. It's like, well, so we'll launch it. And that's when Omnicraft was launched. And it was just, it was the three co-owners, me included, and then a couple staff from the old server. And that's kind of how that part started of me running a Minecraft server. How much of a time commitment was this on your part once you got to that level? Uh, the early, actually pretty much from the beginning, it really was almost a full-time job. And because that's one of the reasons I ended up, you know, writing articles, as you mentioned about it and even putting on my resume because, um, because after I think six months, no, actually after three months, one of the co-owners left. And then after a year, the other co-owner left. So it was just me for a while. And at that time, I mean, pretty much the entire time of it, it pretty much is its own little company that I'm running as a hobby. Um, but again, it's like it's it's almost a full-time job because as soon as I got home from work, I'd be on my computer, jumping on the server, saying hi to everybody that's on the server, seeing if there's any problems that need to be dealt with, checking the forms, seeing if anyone's being harassed or anything like that, thinking of new ideas to put in the shop for people to, to send money to support the server. Uh, yeah, I think probably on average spending four to five hours every night almost on it. Wow. So just to be clear, um, I think most people think about games as something that uh, you know, exists, you know, maybe the, the – the server is being run only by the company that is publishing the game. But Minecraft is a game where individuals can actually host their own games and maybe tweak the, the rules of the world. Um, so so that's what you're really talking about when you're talking about running a Minecraft server. Correct. Am I tracking there? Yep, so really what you're talking about is not, hey, I was like a professional Minecraft player. As, as a small business owner, where what we were doing was publishing a specific type of Minecraft game and hosting players to play inside it. Yep, that's pretty much it. Got it. Okay, that that is a lot more relatable, I think, to um, put on a resume. And uh, so I, I completely understand that. Um, and I think it will put links to the, the, the articles that I saw um, about that and uh, and the lessons that you learned, but the, the it's it's 
becoming a little bit more clear to me about the customer service aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So when you're when you're publishing the game, basically, or uh, publishing the specific world and the rules, and and maybe there's merchandise and, and artwork and, and things that that people can participate in, it's really very much a customer service aspect of of the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever I explain it to someone who isn't into gaming or even know what how Minecraft works, you know, I always explain it to them. It's 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 a company. It's a small company. It, like any other company, you know, I have employees, I had staff that I had to manage and help them develop their own skills so they can be independent on their own without having to ask me how to handle this situation. For example, um, I had to deal with all the finances. So, um, you know, tracking all the income and all the expenses, you know, how to prepare taxes on that stuff, uh, how, setting up the shop, uh, actual digital shop of where players could actually go on and spend money to support the server, figure out all the marketing to get the name of the server out there so we could get new players so they could, you know, spend money. Um, keeping the players happy, like you say, customer service. You know, Minecraft is definitely an interesting one because, you know, the average player base age was probably 13 to 15-ish. So, you know, these are all young teenagers, um, you know, and trying to convince them, hey, can you bug your parents to send a few dollars our way so we can keep a server that you enjoy online? Um, so, I mean, actually, we did have to deal with that quite a bit of players would come on and say, you know, I really want to buy something, but there's no way my parents would ever let me do this. I think once people, like, got to know me and the other staff and how the server ran, it's like, you know, we're just being honest and saying, if you're really interested, you can always let them know, hey, you can get a gift card add it to PayPal and do it that way. That way there's nothing that can be hacked, stolen, whatever. And, you know, if you really can't do that, then, hey, go on to the voting sites and vote for the server every day because those votes really help get the, the server name up higher in the, the search results. So I always gave them, like, a couple different options. Obviously not everybody can pay. Um, but, yeah, you know, having to explain that to kids. And, you know, I always hear, like uh, – you know, managers trying to explain how to manage IT staff. It's like hurting a bunch of kittens. Um, you know, think about that with teenagers. You know, it's kind of the same thing, just trying to keep them organized. And especially around this time, you know, when digital bullying was becoming a, you know, a big hot topic in the media of keeping that from happening too much on the server. Because we did have to deal with that quite a bit of, you know, people getting on there. And all they want to do is just make, uh, make everybody's time when they're terrible. You know, they'd start cursing people out. They'd spam. They'd go on there and start raiding, destroying stuff that isn't theirs. And, you know, having to deal with things like that, cleaning things up after after these um, these spammers and and all that and, you know, trying to keep Visual it. Visual hooligans. Yep. It's, it's funny. Like, you, uh, all the problems that you're talking about are, you know, directly applicable to the real world. If you really think about it, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, Wow, these people—they're just defacing property and tearing stuff down. It's like, oh yeah, that's the same type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, I'm talking about all the management side of all this too. But you know, as any other IT pro relate, there's a server that's running everything. So, I'll admit I'm not a big Linux guy. I can do a few things in Linux, but you know, almost everything that's run in Minecraft is on Linux because it makes hosting cheaper. Um, so for the first couple years with OmniCraft we'd go with a VPS provider 
to make that easy because um, Multicraft is a panel that's installed on Linux pretty quickly. It makes it really easy to manage a server or even multiple servers. Uh, for example, Omnicraft, I think at the height, we had seven different VPS servers we're managing. Oh, wow. Yep. Uh, I mean, we it, it fluctuated quite a bit, um, just kind of depending on the interest and budget, of course. But, you know, there's, again, there's server management to worry about. And then when we decided we had enough funds to make things easy, well, not even easier, but I guess to stretch the budget a little bit more, we decided to look into um, uh, actual server, server providers, uh, cloud hosting, basically. Um, I can't remember the companies we looked at, but, you know, actually going to just like DigitalOcean, for example, and spinning up a Linux server instance and then installing everything on our own. So mm. like purchasing a license for Multicraft and setting up Linux from scratch to host all the all that stuff, setting up our own backups, um, managing, you know, all the, uh, the firewall on the servers, for example. Because uh, one thing that any uh, game server administrator knows is DDS, DDoS attacks are, can be somewhat common. And so we actually had to deal with that quite a few times in the life of Omnicraft. Just some kid getting on there thinking we slided them in whatever way and, you know, life's not fair, so I'm going to make your life terrible and, you know, go into one of those stress test services and I'm going to kick them off for a little while. So having to deal with things like that. And uh, and then after a while, we said, all right, we're just going to buy our own hardware and get a data center because I had a new co-owner. Uh, his name is Adam who was really good with Linux, a lot better than I was. And he convinced me, it's like, hey, there's a data center that's not too far from my house. We can buy our own server, set it up with all the hardware we want to. We'll just host the data center, and this is how much it's going to save us in the long run. It's like, sure, if you if you feel comfortable setting it up, go ahead. Uh, so had that experience for, I think, about a year and a half of actually co um, co-locating our own server in a data center. And we actually ended up getting kicked out of the first one because we had a DDoS attack. And uh, it brought down all of their clients. And he was not happy and said, no, you guys need to get out of here within a week. So then we had to scramble to find another one. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, so. Yeah, That's great, man. Yeah, I'm sure, like I think, you know, their IT pros can relate to some of these experiences. It's like. You know, it's not just all games every day, all night, you know, with having to work on making sure the server's up all the time, figuring out those connections and keeping all the bad guys out secured as much as we could. Yeah, I mean, the way you're talking about this is just, it's standard IT stuff, except mm -hmm. like you're exposed to the public, right? And yep. you're forced to be on the public internet. And so you have to deal with a lot more like, um, like public internet interface stuff, like mm -hmm. DDoS, you know, distributed general health services. Like, I I have to say, in all my experience in IT, if someone said, hey, how would you handle this? I'd be like, oh, man, I'd, like, assume my service provider was helping me with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I'd just give, a, like, a blank look. So um, to hear, you know, your experience and having to deal with it in the real world, like, that's whew, a little bit of a twinge for me. Yeah, so after a while, that's when I came to the realization of, you know, all these experiences that I've got with Omnicraft, you know, all this is all translate translatable to my actual career. 
And that's kind of when I started writing up a couple articles about my Minecraft experiences and how I put on my resumes because, you know, when I talked about the specifics of running it, you know, it's all things that any person can take and expand on their own career professionally. And that's exactly what I did with mine. Um, Cause it was about halfway through the Omnicraft life cycle is when I left the credit union to move on to where I'm at now at the bank. Um, and that was actually one of the talking points during my interview at the bank is the, uh, the controller asking about this Omnicraft thing I had in my resume, what it was all about, you know, explaining all this to him about my management experiences, the technical experiences I learned from it. And he is really, it's something that stood out to them because, you know, not too many IT pros put some kind of gaming experience on the on their resume. So I think I granted granted that most gamers, you know, they just game, you know, they just play a game, but not many go that extra mile of running their own server and going through all those experiences. So that's why I put them the resume and wrote those posts of, you know, yeah, most people look at it as just a game, but when you start breaking it down, you know, like what I've been doing is, you know, there's a lot that's um, unorthodox experience learning. You know, it's something that not everybody sees in the traditional light of, you know, you can take it one-to-one -one relatable experiences. Um, and honestly, that all came back from my time in the Navy. Because uh, I think anyone that's in the military has to learn is how to translate their experiences from military to civilian. So that's pretty much a lot of where a lot of those uh, skills came about of figuring out how it relates in ways that a traditional business mind can understand it. I'm really curious yeah. at, at what point mm -hmm. into the Minecraft experience did you think, oh, this is relatable? Did it just kind of flip a switch on at some point or was, was that feeling always there as you went down the path? No, it definitely took a little bit of time to get that realization. I think it was probably within the first year of running Omnicraft, uh, you know, of realizing, you know, this is more than just, playing a game that I'm actually starting to kind of operate a company. Um, Cause at that point I was getting to the point where I was just, it was running, it was just me running the whole show, you know, thinking about, wait, I've got all these staff that I'm training as I bring them on um, working, dealing with all this customer service with the, uh, the players on the server, trying to market it out. Um, the server issues that come up because Minecraft, like any other piece of software that any other IT pro has to support, you know, there's going to be issues um, that's just the software itself. There's going to be issues with the server itself. There's going to be issues with the connection between the client and the server. Um, so as I started, as I was going through those processes after a year, it's like, oh wait, these are all things I, I can do, I do now in my job, and I could do in the future. You know, especially on the management side of getting into management, it's like. These are all things that I that'll help me sell my next job of getting into management. Because I think anybody that looks for management jobs the first time, the it's hard to break into it unless you have experience. And that was one of the re, that was one of the key moments of hey, I should write something about this too, so other people can think about this too of how to get management experience outside of the traditional sense of IT management. That's just such a great lesson to learn, you know, especially with something that, you know, can start as a, as a um, hobby and, and grow is like, what lessons am I learning 
from this that can that can translate over. And how I especially enjoyed what you said about um, thinking about how to pitch this for you know the next job you know discussion. Right. right? Yeah, because that's. Like, that's I was going to say, a lot of people you know, aren't, aren't thinking about that, right? Yeah, because you know, especially when you're talking to management who, you know, especially management that aren't IT savvy that understand IT for full, you know, and I have in my resume, hey, I've got this game server, you know, most of them, you know, the orthodox, you know, the tight tie, the you know, straight suit, that kind of thing. They're probably going to look at that. It's like, oh, he's he plays games all day. I don't know if we can get anything from him. But when I start breaking it down to them, to anyone that kind of doubts it, you know, they start looking. It's like, oh, okay, so there is a game aspect, but then there's this whole other side of everything that's going on behind the scenes that any other company in the world deals with from, you know, the scale is always different, of course, but, you know, the basics are there for every company. And then that's yeah. how I translate it to them. And, and I'm sure it all had to do with the framing, right? Like if you said, yeah, I'm super into Minecraft, then <laughs> it really does present as, oh, I really enjoy playing Minecraft. Mm -hmm. But if you say something like, I've run a small business which provides like a gaming community experience, mm -hmm. um, you know, and gaming service, you know, as a gaming service provider, then that's like a completely different framing that, you know, presents it as a business presents, you know, the professional aspects of it and not just, hey, I'm super into this, like, hobby that I have. Right. Because, I mean, if you take uh, the bullet points of, you know, you got server management, customer service, uh, uh, account management, all that, you know, you wrap that up and you look at it, you know, put it in different packages. All right, so mine is Minecraft, but what if somebody else comes along and it's a web store? You know, all that same stuff applies there. What if it's... Um, they're they're running their own MSP, you know, as a single person shop. I mean, it's all the same stuff. It's just a different wrapping of mine happens to be Minecraft, but for somebody else, it could be you know whatever it is, their own small company. Very cool. What was the feedback in the SpiceWorks community to those lessons learned? Was was there a lot of crossover, or were people who appreciated that type of experience? I mm, have to think it back a little bit because I've actually gone through the posts in a long time, but I know that those first ones I wrote up definitely got over 100 spice ups, thumbs ups, however you want to look at it. And I did get a lot of uh, replies to it. And I think a lot of that too is because I re responded to a lot of the replies, like people asking a little bit more details about it or commenting on certain parts of the of the stories, you know, just kind of expanding on it more and, you know, letting them know that here's – Here's how you can look at it a little bit different way, so it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah, totally it understand. Looks like, looks like at least one of these, actually, probably both have, as you said, over 100 spice ups, almost 100 replies each. So a lot of good feedback mm -hmm. there. I think that's fantastic. What I'm really curious about, Jimmy, is after you l used that relatable experience to get your job that you have now mm -hmm. were you able to maintain your community involvement with the minecraft stuff or or did that change somehow no i was still able to keep the involvement um i think it was about that time about a year and a half to two years with omnicraft and i did close it down 
and not just be not because of the time with my job or anything like that. It was getting to the point that I was getting burnt out on it. Um, four years, a, four, uh, a server lasting four years is is quite uh, an accomplishment in this, on the Minecraft side because the one thing that makes Minecraft server hosting so difficult that period of time was it was so easy to spin up a server. And I saw it numerous times in Omnicraft. Um, even some of the staff that I had left at one point to start their own server because they thought, hey, I got all this experience. I'm going to do it myself. And I, I'd always encourage them, you know, because that, that's one thing I always wanted in my own bosses is encouragement. It's like, hey, if you're going to leave, you got all this experience, go for it. I'll answer any questions you have so you can start it yourself. But then I'd always add to it. It's like, just be prepared. If you want this to work, you're going to have to put the work into it. Um, and that was one thing is, you know, there's a lot of kids, you know, from young teens or not even teens to, you know, like 18, 19 that, Hey, I'm just going to spin up a server and it's going to be a faction server, which was the most common style of Minecraft. And I'm going to get all this money out of it. I saw that so many times, all these kids think I want to get, make so much money off of this server. You won't believe it. And they barely last a few months because they don't realize how much time goes into running it and keeping a server operational. Even something as low-key as Factions, which is um, it's pretty straightforward to run it. It doesn't a lot, involve a lot of maintenance because they tend not to have a lot of rules, so you don't need a lot of moderators. You just worry about people cheating, not you know the actual customer service of keeping everybody happy and handling griefers. So, yeah, again, I saw that a lot with a lot of kids thinking they could run their own, saw my own staff. They would jump out, leave for a couple months to come back saying, yeah, it just didn't work. I couldn't, it, it failed. And so it was really kind of interesting developing. So getting on to four years, um, you know, I was getting really burnt out on it. Because I, I think after a few months, it was definitely within the first year of Omnicraft where I actually stopped playing Minecraft itself you know, of actually getting into a world and building things because um, I'd spend most of my time you know besides all the other tasks of actually building things within the server for the community so I'd build mini games for example or build up the spawn area so it looked really fancy and nice and different areas they could explore secrets they could find that kind of thing spent more time building environments more than just playing a game to enjoy it and after four years it's just like I can't really do this anymore I'm struggling coming up with ideas to expand it. So I had the realization I've let the staff know like a couple months ahead of time, like on this date, I'm gonna have to cut it off. I, I just can't do it anymore. I need to step down as owner. And it was nice seeing at that point because they, because uh, I kind of dropped this out of nowhere. I didn't really give them any hints um, other than, you know, given a couple months to think about it. But within like a couple weeks, they're going, all right, we're going to, form up our own team. We're going to start thinking about how we're going to manage our own server and take it over from me. So then I helped them through that transition because my thought at that time is like, I really want someone to take it over. I just don't want to shut it down. Like how the server I was on shut down suddenly, you know, I'd like someone to carry it on. So that was my thought of helping them transition and develop their own server. And it has ex developed, it's been running quite well. It's called VentureCraft now. Um, yeah, just, Helping them so that way it wasn't as much of a struggle for me to learn as much. Um, gave them some of the funds that I had, as much of the funds that I had from Omnicraft as I could, and help them get started with their own hosting. 
and you know all the knowledge transfer and let them take over and at that point i stepped down because i just couldn't play minecraft anymore i was just so burnt out and let them take over it's interesting like uh did you ever watch the hbo show westworld no i've never seen it uh, okay there's a this that world building and mm -hmm. storytelling and, and exploration aspect of it that i think uh Either you should watch it or you definitely shouldn't. I don't. I don't. I can't figure out which one to recommend right now. Um, if it'll if you, it'll trigger you or if you'll really enjoy it because it's mm -hmm. happening to somebody else. It just uh, reminded me of that. It, it, it's it's nice to see that you um, you wanted to have that smooth transition because I assume that the community you had built up they kind of feel equity in in the server right at that point mm -hmm. because. They've built things, they've spent time and energy in your community and on your servers and not somewhere else. And they don't want that to just disappear and have to start from scratch somewhere else. I assume that's how it works. Pretty much, yeah. I think it's the same with any long-standing community. Everybody you know, gets feels they have some kind of possession over it. They identify with it. Um, we actually had many people start relationships up from the community because they both, you know, couple, these couple people just happened to play on the same server and got to know each other. And um, I actually know one couple that ended up getting married because they met on our server. So that was pretty cool to hear. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of possession that any community has to deal with. And I just remember, you know, when I had to deal with the shutdown of the server I was in before it transitioned to Omnicraft, it was just that feeling of loss when I heard out. It's like, wait, this server I've been playing almost every day on that I've got these friends on, it's like, it's just gone and I can't connect with them anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that was my thought in my mind when I announced to the staff is like, I'm hoping someone will take it on because I just don't want that to happen to all these people that have this investment into it. Now what, here's my thought. When someone lays down a project of that size, they usually find some way to fill that time with something else. So what what did you do with that time after you laid that project down? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, that was actually something I had to think about for quite a while because I really wasn't sure. Um, I even had quite a few conversations with my wife about it because that was, that was one of the reasons I let it last as long as I did because there was a few times before that where I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, but at the same time, it's like, what else can I do? Uh, so I think after a couple months, I just kind of spent some time, um, depressed, no, that's not right. The right word, uh, kind of grounding myself from the experiences, you know, trying to not be emotional about it. Cause I think anybody that does something for that long, they start getting really attached to it. So I was trying not to get too emotional about it. And it took me a little while to get through that process. You know, I guess a grieving kind of process basically. Um, sure. Uh, part of that time was spent helping the VentureCraft community get on their feet, uh, answering questions, being on the server uh, maybe every couple days in the week, you know, talking to people, helping them with that transition. Um, because even though I made the announcement to the community, they all they all knew me as well. It's like, oh, we don't want you to leave. And so I just didn't want to just disappear on them because that didn't seem right. So I was still somewhat active within that for quite a while, for a couple months even to the point of helping run some events on the new server uh, to help get, you know, keep that interest going. Cause we had quite a few events running on the old, on the Omnicraft one. So help with 
keeping those running. And then it kind of expanded into, well, let's have some events for some other games. So I had a few of those. I host a couple of those. And then from there, it kind of developed. There's a lot of interest. And it's like, all right, well, let me, is, you know, I asked the community, are you interested in if I run, if I start up a Discord for this? And there's a lot of interest. So that's when I started up the Discord Omni Gamers. And I've been pretty much running that ever since. Um, so initially started off with just running events for the, for the venture craft community. And I named it Omni Gamers kind of as a callback to the Omni Craft, but also to separate it out from the venture craft. Um, Cause one thing I learned from my experiences, the Omni Craft, you know, everybody identifies with, you know, the name brand, you know, however you want to look at it. So I definitely understood, you know, the, the power of a name and a label. So I, you know, had to call back to the old server and had it something different. So that way there is a little bit of separation in case, you know, if the venture craft staff wasn't, if they couldn't involve themselves fully or they didn't have the time or there wasn't any interest, it wasn't tied to them and on their shoulders. If anyone wasn't happy about it, it'd be on me because it's a separate thing. Uh, so it's so funny. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's so funny that you were um, maybe burnt out on the, Minecraft part of it, but you were still interested in the community part of it and the community building. Um, and that, so when you took something up, it still included that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, that's pretty much how a lot of my online gaming has been. Um, my first online game that I really got into, for example, was Spiral Knights. And I ended up playing that for, I think, three years. Even during this time running Omnicraft, it was a, there was a little bit of that. And, you know, I really, even I, you know, I like the spice works. I really get into the community aspect of things too, of here's all these people I'm making friendships with, even though I don't know them, you know, in person or I've ever met them in person, you know, I still have a friendship with them. There's a bond there. Um, so, you know, expanding that, you know, especially with a lot of the players during that transition, you know, cause they really knew me so well. It's like they have a place they can come where they can talk to me. You know, where I don't have this owner status that everybody looks up to as I'm like like some kind of um, demigod or something or whatever. <laughs> where you know, I'm just a regular person that they can just talk to. Here. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Totally relatable. Well, and I think you definitely have a talent for keeping things going that are important to you. Uh, if If memory serves the Spice Buddies program that started at Spice World a few years ago by a guy named Darren Schoen, it was the idea was for people who had been to the conference several times to give the new people the lowdown on how to get the most value out of it. And if I recall, within the last couple of years, you kind of picked that up and spearheaded it, didn't you? It was within the last year. Um and that was an interesting situation. So I remember when it, the Spice Buddy program first started, I thought it was a really cool idea, but I didn't volunteer the first year. I hung around the guys, talked to them, because there's a lot of the people I knew within the community. Um, and then the second year, it's like, all right, yeah, I'll help out. And then for the last year's Spice World, um, Darren was just gone. Like, he wasn't responding to anybody. Uh so we're all the spice buddies were like, uh, what are we supposed to do? The guy's not here to kind of lead us. And, um, you know, you know, everybody was kind of lost. So I'm thinking it's like, 
it was kind of like how Omnicraft started of, you know, somebody needs to fill the shoes. I have skills that could probably do it. So it's like, I will just go ahead and jump in and do it. And so reaching out to the spice world team and letting them know, Hey, have you heard from Darren? No. Well, I'll go ahead and, you know, start talking to me about all this planning and we'll start figuring things out. And so I, like I said, just, I just kind of jumped in and, I didn't know everything about it, so that's when I reached out to the rest of them, the Spice Buddies, of, hey, you guys, especially those that did it last year, it's like, hey, you know, start pitching in. We'll start figuring things out. And all I really was during for last year was just the coordinator, more or less, um, just making sure things were getting set up when they needed to be set up. All I can think of is uh, a scene from Star Wars where Obi-Wan Kenobi says, that boy is our last hope, and Yoda says, "No, there is another." That's that's what it made me think of because you just picked it up and, like you said, you coordinated and you kept it going. And I, I love that that pattern is present in you because I think that's a really cool thing. Not not everybody would have the desire to just jump in and and help out because you didn't do it for yourself; you did it for the community. It's kind of funny you mentioned that it made me think of uh, something that was supposed to be drilled in my head during my time in the Navy, uh, especially during boot camp. Uh, one of the common ways to interpret Navy was an acronym, which was never again volunteer yourself. It's something that's never stuck for me. <laughs> like all the you know through this conversations, like it's always been situations where I just jump in because nobody else is going to do it, and like with Spice Buddies. You know, because I saw how everybody got a lot of value out of it. And I just really didn't want to see it get to the point of it just kind of fell apart because Darren wasn't there. And, you know, well, I don't know Darren personally. I knew him a little bit enough that it's like, you know, he'd want somebody to kind of carry it on. So I just jumped in and said, here, let's start, let's start getting the planning going, guys. Let's figure this out. Because so I just didn't want it to fall apart. And I, I think that those actions on your part are part of the reasons that you were recognized as Spiceworks champion. What was it? 2016 or 2017? Yep. 2016. Now for those that don't know, the Spiceworks champion award is, is something that's given to a, a person who has been very active, but an advocate for community and community participation among his or her peers. So, Congrats to you, man. That's a high honor. Thank You're you. among uh, elite people. Well, I'll let you say that. I'll, I'll never say that about myself. Um, you know, that's why I said it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a humble person and it's not to make myself look good or anything. It's just honestly with the things that I do and in, in the community, for example, really anybody else can do. It's just, I just happen to be the one doing it. Um, and just so everybody knows, like I got the award before last year's Spice World, so I've had it for a little while. Um, I think a lot of that became or came around because my involvement in the community in other ways. Like uh, I've done a lot of webinars for SpiceWorks. Like I started out, I've done three active directory and group policy webinars uh, with uh, Little Green Man and oh, I'm blanking out his name, Rob, Rob the. Uh, the uh, PC, the capsaicin, we did a few webinars. Oh, and okay, then, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then from there, 
because at that time Peter was running, then it transitioned where I've been on a control alt tech. I've been on the air a few times. I've been on a few uh, video meetups. So there's a lot of involvement um, in other ways. And I've actually mentioned to a few other people recently because everybody kind of talks about stats within like the spicy peppers, for example, of, you know, oh, this person has so many uh, best answers and helpful posts. And, you know, I kind of say, if you've probably looked at the stats for Mesa's, I probably have to be ranked the lowest for best answers and helpful posts because I must have like the ter- most, the worst luck with that because I really ever, hardly ever get any. I'll blame part of that because the first part of, or for quite a while, I was mostly involved in web development because that was things, uh, you know, that was a topic I was interested in a lot and very few people give those in that group. So I think that's part of it. But, um, you know, I've, I've, after a certain point, it's like I have a hard time, especially now, I have a hard time actually answering questions because now they're so specific to certain things that I don't even have a clue on. So I, I contribute in other ways, like writing up articles. Uh, like the big, the group I'm most active in now is general IT security because security is such a big focus of mine, not just professionally, but personally. Um, I actually mentioned this in my topic when I covered security. No, not last year, but the year before that I got into security from the AOL days. Um, this was this was back before anyone even knew what phishing was. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I was just in high school. I got on my AOL account. I had this email from what was supposed what it said was an AOL staff member saying, hey, we saw some we saw some weird activity on your account. We just want to verify that you know, the account is under your possession. So if you could go to this link and put in your credentials, it, you know, just to prove it. You know, again, it's like this is I knew nothing about security. I knew nothing about phishing. So I typed my credentials in, didn't think anything about it. No problems. And the next day I, I come home from school, I sign in and I was like, my account's locked out. It's like, what? So I called AOL and it's like, yeah, your account's locked out because you're sending a whole bunch of spam. It's like, oh. And then it's like one of those things that just kind of clicked. It's like, oh, I need to be more careful. And then it's just developed into like this pseudo passion of mine of, you know, always trying to keep myself and everybody I know secure. Nice. That's a, that's a hilarious story is the uh, making the mistake and then as a result, uh, growing from it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick and I are both cringing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. How about um, you mentioned a couple times giving um, some talks? Um, what giving talks at Spice World? Uh, what is what kind of led you there? I, I, I imagine that it's part of that same thing of you know the passion of sharing and wanting you know to help develop other people. But um, that you know it's a large stage, right? So. Um, how did you develop those skills and did you develop a you know similar passion for doing that as well? Uh, some of that was from like the webinars I've done before. Uh, but the first spice rule that I presented at, I was actually invited to, to be on a marketing panel. And that panel was about how to sell to IT pros. Um, I had actually been on a similar panel before uh, on the phone. I think it was, um, so they invited me in to talk about it. So it was me as the IT pro and then I think two other marketers and we're just kind of having discussion with other marketers about how to actually talk to IT pros and that was really interesting for me. Um, and then the next year, 
was, I thought, it's like, well, that went pretty well. You know, what could I talk on? It's like, and after thinking about it, it's like, well, I have a ton of experience in active directory and group policy. I did a, a few webinars. Like, I'll just talk about that because I'm sure there'll be plenty of interest. And it ended up being one of the, the more um, popular talks that year. And so just kind of expanded. But I guess getting ready for that kind of stage, uh, to be honest, it was something I've somewhat used to. And by that, I mean, I've had a few exposures of being on a big stage. Uh, for example, in the Navy, when I was going through training for my job in um, Pensacola, I was on the drill team for the Navy in that base. And part of that was we would uh, perform the colors at a local hockey game. So like the few of us would go out on the ice in the middle of a stadium, you know, for the national anthem, present the colors, walk out. So it's like that started. And then we actually uh, marched in a Mardi Gras parade for the town. So like the whole group of us that were practicing, like we were actually in the, in the parade. I think there was 20 of us maybe. And we're just spinning rifles, you know, and performing in front of, you know, all this big crowd. And then when I went to the ship, the Carl Vinson, uh, before we left Washington for our tour, uh, they invited uh, the base to uh, a Mariners game. And for that, they asked the color guard, because I was on the color guard on the ship, to come out and perform the colors, parade the colors for the, the stadium. So that was definitely one of the biggest stages I've been on of – being in a completely packed baseball stadium out in the middle of the field. I'm not doing anything intense, you know, just carrying a flag out, but doing it information and not thinking about it, staying focused on what I had to do and, you know, doing it right. So I kind of was like, well, if I did that in front of a, that that big of a stadium, it's like, it can't be that bad talking to a bunch of IT pros. So I just kind of went from there and, presented on active director group policy. Then the next year was on security and, and actually and presented that one twice because that got selected to be repeated. Though the second time slot was after, I can't remember his name now, one of the, the keynote speakers that year. Um, oh, it was David Mitnick, I think it was. So I had to present mine after his, so that was interesting. And then last year's was on two different topics. One was building uh, uh, business continuity disaster recovery and basing that around Jurassic Park and then building a home lab. And I actually, ended up, I was kind of curious. I ended up asking uh, this vice royal team about that. And they said, I think there's maybe one or two other people in the history of vice world ever presented on more than just one topic. So I'll have to say that, well, that, that was kind of nice to hear. Yeah. You... Uh... It's, it's tough to get to subscribe yourself um, and split your attention and, and plan and prep for more than one talk on that scale. Yeah, it definitely took a little while to get both of those ready. Yeah. The, 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 next, uh, the next trick is to then just participate in panel discussions mm -hmm. after that if you're, for your third and fourth. <laughs> I think that's what uh, Scott Miller was telling me once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should moderate a panel next time in addition to, to doing the talks. That'd be fun. Well, oh, that's, that's technically what the home lab one was, was um, okay. an unofficial panel because it was me, uh, Colorado Geek, and uh, 
Lee Young. I kind of let uh, Colorado Geek and Lee do most of the talk because they have more experience with home labs than I do. Gotcha. Very cool. So, so do you have any um, advice maybe for um, people who are looking to accelerate their career? Like it, it sounds like you've you've gained all these skills in a, in a variety of traditionally and non-traditional ways. So any advice for people who are looking to maybe do their first presentation um, at a uh, at a conference and well, how to get there? Yeah, if you're looking, if you're considering at all being a presenter or being a speaker at a conference, you know, even if it's just a passing thought, you know, build on that. You know, think about something you could could spend an hour talking about. Um, and if, if even if it can't be an hour, think about questions that you can bring up during your discussion, your talk, that engages the audience. You know, ask them questions during that to get, because that'll kind of help expand a little bit. Um, because the thing is about being a speaker, you know, obviously um, public speaking is one of those things that so many people get nervous about. You know, I still get nervous. I've done quite a few and I still get nervous. Um, but one thing that has helped is not to vision the audience naked. I, that, I don't understand how that ever works. But it was something I picked up from one conference I went to is instead of thinking about how you're feeling before a presentation, being nervous, thinking about it as being excited, because they would say, you know, it's a lot of the same body reactions. You know, you get maybe get a little sweaty. You know, you get the butterflies in the stomach. But you feel that both by being nervous and excited. So kind of do a little bit of um, mental trickery and think about, it's like, you know, I'm really nervous talking in front of a bunch of people I don't know of and turn that into, well, you know, I can share share something. Someone in the audience um, has, to, has to be there to learn something. You know, there's something that I can share that they don't know. And that's been the case for all my presentations is um, I try to share as much detail and share links as much as possible because there's always that one person in the audience that's going to go, wait, I didn't know that was even possible. You know, that's what the pre that's what the, the presentation being a speaker is all about is sharing something that somebody else doesn't know. There's always going to be at least one person. Um, so, you know, think about that, that you're, you're going to be sharing that experience with somebody else so they can better themselves. Yeah, so focusing on your goal and, and the whole reason you got into the thing in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and I like that idea of turning, you know, transforming nervousness into excitement, too. You're right, it is a lot of the same, uh, like, physical reactions, and, you know, it, all it is is a change of framing, right? Yep, and then as for career progression, um, I think, I guess the general message from my experiences is if you're at a point in your career where you're feeling stuck with the traditional sense of progression, you know, that everybody sees as orthodox, look into other, you know, unorthodox ways. You know, like for me, it's besides Minecraft, there's also been Spiceworks, you know, sharing experiences on Spiceworks and being more involved there. Because like I said, they all start off with writing a couple articles. And then next thing you know, I've been invited to a webinar, and then that went well, so they invited me to another webinar, and then they invited me to an actual show, you know, flying me into Austin to the headquarters, actually be on a show that they're running. So, you know, take little steps and of something that's outside of what people consider traditional training and and see what you can see what works for you. I really like that advice. Thanks a lot. Nick, um, 
Before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to ask? So last question for me, Jimmy, as you look forward in your career, what do you think is the next role for you? You know, you mentioned your manager, IT director. Do you see yourself moving up to something like a CIO or maybe deciding to go in a different direction someday? Just curious. Sure. Uh, I think ultimately I would like to get into a CIO or probably even a CIS role at some point. Uh, Cause again, security is a big passion of mine. Um, but I guess with like pretty much every other part of my career, when I change is, you know, I'm just seeing what's out there that happens to stick and in being successful. Makes absolute sense to me. Jimmy Tassin, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate talking to you. I'm, I'm happy to be here and hopefully not everybody gets bored with the, how long this has been. Hopefully it's been a little bit entertaining and hopefully educational. Now, we do talk a lot about the John White School of Mentoring on this podcast for those who need advice getting to the next level. I think you have a lot of advice to give people, Jimmy. So can people reach out to you somewhere to ask questions and and interact with you if they have follow-up questions on this episode? Sure. So they're welcome to reach out to me in Spiceworks, uh, Jimmy T. Uh, If you want, I can give you my profile link later, or I'm sure you can find it pretty quickly. Um, LinkedIn, I could probably give you my profile for that, but, uh, or if maybe something a little bit more casual, they're welcome to jump on to my discord. If they go to omnigamers.net, just takes you right to the discord invite. So there's a couple different ways that I'd be happy to reach out to somebody and talk with them. Awesome. You heard it here, folks. Pricing and packaging to come. <laughs> uh, Twitter. I the only, the only social media I do is LinkedIn. I'm, uh, yeah, I've, I've never been into Twitter, Facebook, or anything like that. All right. Cool. Good to know. Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on and, and spending time with us and, and telling the, the, you know, just some really cool stories. I'm glad you let me share them and you're, you enjoyed them a little bit. Wow, that was a great interview, Nick. Um, I was surprised at how involved running a Minecraft server was. Essentially, I think I like said this, it was a small business. Yeah, I had no idea the level of effort that went into it. But I have to say, the the way Jimmy was able to leverage that as relatable experience to get to the next level was really impressive. That coming at it from what some may consider an unorthodox standpoint. I like it. Yeah, totally agree. Another great lesson um, that we just keep on needing to remind ourselves. Hey, uh, anything else pop into your mind before we break? The only thing I can think of is, you know, there are a lot of great untold stories out there. Maybe someone out there has an even different way that they leverage relatable experience. And I know we'd love to hear about it. If you have an idea, tweet it out to at Nerd Journey. Because we always want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for questions to ponder. Awesome. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at VJourneyN for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore signing off. Adios. Adios.